Welcome back. My name is Steve, the founder of English and Go. Today's episode is by request from Andreas. It is an update on the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and therefore, this is podcast 14 in the series I began in January 2022 called From Russia with Guns. There is a lot to cover. So I will give you a quick overview, then break things down into three main parts. Bakhmut, Fulidar, and Behind the Lines. So first, the overview. In late January of this year, 2023, Russia began promoting the idea that it was preparing a new offensive. The hype was big. Videos of trainloads of tanks and other equipment, promises of sweeping through Ukraine's defensive lines, some talk about a big push back to Kiev from Belarus, there was even mention of a surprise invasion of Odessa. Lots of big talk, lots of hype, most of which is now gone. Here in March, we can see that Russia actually did launch a new offensive, but, well, it was pretty terrible. While more and more efforts are being made in the northeast around Crimea, and we can see that Solidar and several small towns north of Bakhmut have been captured, the main fighting has been concentrated in two places, Bakhmut, as I mentioned, and Fulidar. Now, long-time listeners will know that I mentioned Bakhmut way back in September as the one place that Russia was seeing some progress, because, of course, at that time they were running away in the Kherson Oblast. Like many, many other people, I assumed that Bakhmut would be like Severodonetsk, a hard fight that would last six to eight weeks, and eventually Ukraine would surrender the city. But, well, it's March. It's, it's five months later that Russia has been attacking Bakhmut day in and day out, and they still don't actually have it. For the first four months, Russia tried storming the city, head-on frontal assaults, large artillery barrages, but after four months of little success, they've decided to try to surround the city with attacks north and south. The city itself is totally destroyed and absolutely unusable. How this will end is hard to tell because both sides keep putting men and material into the fight. Russia wants to show they can still capture territory and Ukraine doesn't necessarily want them to do that. So the five-month-old siege of Bakhmut continues, because Russia has made slow, grinding progress. For those who follow the war via Telegram or WhatsApp or Twitter, all they hear is Bakhmut. Because Russian tankies and propaganda trolls keep pushing the story of Bakhmut day in and day out. It's going to fall, it's already fallen, they've captured this, there've been that... Wagner, that Nazi military group in Russia, uploads videos and often makes egregious claims so they can increase their reputation. 
This focus on Bakhmut in social media is called PSYOPS, P-S-Y-O-P-S. It's short for Psychological Operations. Make the Ukrainian side feel that they cannot win, that the fight is hopeless. So common questions are asked on social media about Bakhmut. Where are the reinforcements? Where are the new tanks? Is the Ukrainian army unable to attack? Russian trolls ask these questions. Tankies claim that Ukraine is about to fold. Ukraine has no more troops. Western weapons can't help. Blah, blah, blah. So that's the overview. To go into more detail, I've decided to break this down into three parts. Part one will finish with Bakhmut. Part two will talk about the real issue, Volodar. And part three will discuss what is happening behind the front lines, what Ukraine has actually been doing for the past four months. So to finish part one, Bakhmut. What is often lost is that, while it is very likely Ukraine will leave Bakhmut, the city itself has been unusable for the past eight months. And Russia has lost many thousands of soldiers, prisoners, conscripts to try and take this now dead, medium-sized city. I suggest that people try to remember the city of Piski. Piski was a small city, not too far away from Bakhmut. And Russia tried repeatedly to take this small city since April of last year. And finally, in July, they began to pour all of their efforts into taking Piski. Both sides fought hard for this small city for a month. It was, of course, eventually destroyed, and the ruins were finally claimed by Russia in September. Now, the argument for taking Piski was that it would allow the Russians to push deep into the Donetsk Oblast. But that did not happen. Even today, in March of 2023, the Russians have not been able to use their capture of Piski to any strategic advantage. This will be true of Bakhmut. Which brings us to part two. The real battle of February was in Vuladar. Vuladar was the actual focal point of the promised Russian offensive. What is being missed on social media is that Vuladar was where Russia massed men, tanks, fighting vehicles, with the goal to punch through important Ukrainian defenses and lines of communication. Volodar is a functioning city. Bakhmut is not. The goal of this push in Volodar was to surprise the Ukrainian defenders, overwhelm them, create panic with a big new punch into the Donetsk Oblast in the Deep South. Bakhmut was the distraction Volodar was the big show. So, what happened? The Russian attack on Volodar was, without a doubt, a catastrophic defeat 
for Russian forces. Estimates vary, but it seems that Russia lost a minimum of 180 tanks and armored vehicles, several thousand soldiers, and a few square kilometers of land they used to occupy. Because after the rout of Russian troops and tanks, Ukraine retook some of the territory from the crushed and scattered Russian military. Among experts, this is the story they're talking about. Because it showed that Russia continues to go from bad to worse. The destruction of so much Russian armor and equipment in a matter of a few days means that as of now, the south of Donetsk, far from being the new point of a Russian push, is very weak and is now presented as a fresh new target for a Ukrainian counterattack. The New York Times ran a story on March 1st about Fuladar, and the headline says, In an epic battle of tanks, Russia was routed. It's a pretty good article. I recommend reading it. So while social media is still fluttering about Bakhmut, a dead city that has little strategic value, the real battle that will absolutely impact the wider war occurred in Volodar. And once again, Russia got crushed. Part 3 Behind the lines. So, while Volodar and Bakhmut are taking place, and as I mentioned earlier, there's fighting around Crimea, Ukraine's focus has been on training, training, training. In November of last year, the European Union set up a military mission to train 30,000 Ukrainian troops on various weapons systems and combined arms warfare. Last July, the United Kingdom started a training program to train 10,000 Ukrainian soldiers in 2022, and they've doubled that number. They want to train 20,000 Ukrainian troops in 2023. Lastly, the United States announced only in January that it has already trained over 4,000 Ukrainian troops on various U.S. weapon systems. That equals to about 40,000 troops being trained over the past six months. These stories are missing in social media, but they're easy to find in traditional news. So let me give you a word of advice. You cannot use social media as your only news source. Most of it is rumor, speculation, or Russian propaganda. National media companies, whether they be British, French, German, or American, are generally reliable and accurate in their coverage of the war. In-depth reporting is important, especially if you want to know what's happening behind the front lines. Anyway, 
assuming some overlap, duplication, and troops that have yet to be trained that are scheduled to be later, it is reasonable to assume that by now, in March, some 20,000 Ukrainian soldiers have received serious training on advanced weapon systems that are being delivered to Ukraine. They've also been trained on combined arms warfare, something that Russia is simply unable to match. A recent video emerged of Ukrainian forces capturing an area using combined arms. It was clear to me and to many others that all this training over the past six months is starting to trickle out onto the battlefield. So for those tankies, orcs, trolls, and other propagandists claiming that Ukraine has no more troops left, that Ukraine's defense is shaky, it's complete nonsense. They're either stupid or they're lying. The heroic resistance in Bakhmut is significant. The soldiers who have kept Russia fighting over this dead city for the past five months should be recognized, and their efforts will be remembered. The heroes of Volodar stopped Russia's new offensive in a week. They should also be recognized and remembered for routing the Russians in a major victory. Because both Bakhmut and Vuladar have allowed Ukraine to play defense so they can prepare their offense. By contrast, what Russia has been doing is actually playing offense, but most of the time is spent digging trenches and putting up concrete barriers to protect Crimea and the eastern parts of Luhansk that border Russia. Russian offense has been real, but it has also been psyops, working overtime to slow down any Western training or equipment deliveries. Anything to make Ukrainians, and also Russians, think that the disaster that Russia has had has been solved that the Russian military has turned the corner. They're getting better. They're not. But if you're Russian, you're going to talk up Bakhmut, and you're not going to mention Russia's complete catastrophe at Volodar. Because people who follow this war, they know what the Russians know. That the Ukrainians will come very soon. And this next wave of Ukrainians will be trained in Western combat methods. They'll be equipped with Western equipment, not Soviet. And they'll be hungry to break through Russia's defensive lines and recapture their land. Russian soldiers are worried. And they should be. Again, my name is Steve, the founder of English and Go, an English language teaching and consulting company based in Osnabrück, Germany. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can visit us www.englishandgo.de.
Slava Ukraine!